Hello, I'm Leroy Garcia, and this is Blue Rain Gallery Podcast. Today in the studio, we have with us Belle Brook, a wonderful jeweler. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> well, I don't know a lot about jewelry, so this is wonderful. Maybe all of us will learn a little bit more okay. about things and stuff. Um, Belle is a new uh, artist to our stable. Um, she's not new as a, as a jewelry artist, uh, but she is new to us, and we're happy and excited to have her here. Um, we'd like to know a little bit about her, so let's let her uh, tell us a little bit where she's from and how she got into her artistic journey. So go ahead, Belle. Let's hear what you have to say on that. Okay. Hi, my name's Belle, and I'm 44 years old. Um, I was born in Houston, Texas, and I was first introduced to art through the medium of photography, which I studied intensely from the time I was about 12 all through college. Wow. Um, yeah, black and white photography. And um, I worked for um, a photographer who did historical, um, it's called Historical Architectural Building Surveys. It's a form of cultural resources mitigation for the Library of Congress. So that's probably the coolest thing I did as a photographer was um, take records for the National Archives. Wow. And it was all black and white, four by five, archivally printed um, reports that are actually like in the Library of Congress. Wow. Four by five transparency or? Um, yeah, film. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Well, cool. So yeah, that's what I, that's what kind of got me into art. And it's very two dimensional, but um, I think one thing that I take into my jewelry that I learned in photography is um, just watching where the eye goes within a frame. Um, and I never thought that I would work three-dimensionally. I thought it was terrible. Um, but in high school, I started making just like regular beaded jewelry and like wire wrap stuff. Um, and I always loved it. Um, but I didn't think that I would have a career in jewelry or really understand what fine jewelry was or like traditional goldsmithing, which is what I do. Um, and, um, one summer I went to college in California, I went to Pitzer college and one summer I wanted to live in Santa Cruz. So I went up to Santa Cruz, um, for the summer and lived in a bead, I'm sorry, I lived by the boardwalk and I worked in a bead shop there. And one day, and they taught me like some more little things, um, different like wire wrapping and finishing stuff. And one day the girl walked in and she had a pendant that she had made in a community college class. And I was like, and she was like, I just need like a piece of leather for this. And I was like, how'd you make that? <laughs> like, what do you mean you made that? Like, I did not understand like how jewelry was made like at all, except for just this rudimentary hobbyist stuff. And she was like, oh, I just took a class at a community college and it was metalsmithing. And I was like, okay, note to self, like take metalsmithing class after graduation. So I graduated, went on a crazy like three month long, like what we would now call van lifing, but without the van, without the GPS, without any of that kind like of infrastructure. <laughs> oh, it was like national forests, like rest stops, like weird stuff, you know? Um, yeah, way before. So the van lifers, they don't even know. <laughs> but <laughs> and um, eventually ended up deciding to live in um, Oakland area in the Bay Area. And, um, you know, was working as like a coffee shop barista girl and decided to start taking some night classes in jewelry. And so I did that. Um, and so I was taking these classes, like set up a little studio in my house, um, started working for that commercial photographer that I mentioned. And then, um, 
So do you know Telegraph Avenue in Berkeley? Uh, no. It's kind of a famous like street vendor street. So it's like right at the end of the street as an archway and that's where you enter UC Berkeley. And then all along the avenue there, it's called Telegraph. Sort of a famous like hippie. To set up like in tables or yep. blankets or yes. stuff like, like the um, natives on the palace, right? Basically like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, you know, somebody told me that like, I don't know, I don't even remember who, um, but in college I had been selling after the bead shop extravaganza. I was, I had this like weird furry, like suitcase display thing that I would like take around and like <laughs> sell people jewelry. And then the farm like co-op people were like, Hey, do you want to like sell at the farmer's market? So I was like, yeah, totally. They're like, just give us $10 and bring your own table. Um, so I had already like sort of started enterprising like as a young adult. And and then somebody told me. How old were you about this time? Um, this is like between, so that was like age 20. Oh, right. When I was like selling the wire wrapped. It was like hippie jewelry, mm -hmm. like, you know, at the farmer's market. And like people, but people liked it. I even got some commissions, you know. Nice. You know, <laughs> it's really high end stuff. The humble beginnings, right? Yeah, totally. And and that's why I like to talk about Telegraph because it is, it's this crazy street of like hippies and like some people have homes and some people don't. And it's crazy. Like it's definitely, and, and at that time, I mean, I think California has changed a lot for sure in the past like 25 years, but at that time it was still, you know, it was pre-social media, it was pre yeah. internet really revolution like it was still very like grassroots and like every day you had to go to people's park and like do the lottery to get your space and i liked this one space i think it was 242 next to my one friend this guy who'd come over from japan with a suitcase um who made these like mobiles and he like showed <laughs> me the ropes you know like they were all like oh what is this like young girl doing here you know um, but I liked it and I liked that like whole idea of like a gypsy lifestyle has always kind of been something for me. Um, so anyways, somebody told me about this whole place, Telegraph. And so I'm working for the photographer and ironically enough, he goes out of town to Los Alamos, New Mexico every winter for two weeks. And he was like, so you're going to hold down the fort while I'm away. And I was like, no, no, I've got another job to do. <laughs> and so I went out and started street vending, um, for those two weeks, which, happened to be their Christmas fair time. And they actually closed off the streets at this time. And I sold like almost all the stuff I had made and it was pretty lucrative for me at the time. Um, and so then I was getting like, a little yeah. taste of success, right? Totally. And I was like, all right, well, I've got this permit for a year. It's like a $250 permit. I was like, I'm going to start coming out here on the weekends and like, this will be my side hustle. So I start doing that. And then, um, and then I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'm going to start doing art fairs. <laughs> <laughs> so I started doing art fairs and there was this one guy who worked at the tool shop. It was called auto fry, but now it's called fry and Burrell or it was called fry and Burrell. And now it's called auto fry, hmm. which is like a famous jewelry tool supply company. Um, and he came up to me and he was like, you know, he was like, and I was doing my own photography at the time too, which was like also very weird. It was like weird abandoned stuff and like weeds and like, just not like, necessarily visually appealing to most people. I liked it because it was weird, but it wasn't going to be my, I don't think like how many people want pictures of like a weird abandoned building. I don't know. They're popular now. I, I know but. somebody who would. 
<laughs> but I daughter. liked that. Yeah, I liked I liked going into weird spaces and like weird, um, like broken down factories and like stuff like that, exploring. Um, so I do miss that about photography. But um, so this guy comes up to me and he sees my booth and he's like, hey, you know, he's like, I know you. I know you from the tool store. And he's like, this is like all fine, like what you're doing. But he was like, maybe you should get like a more professional training. He said it in a nice way, which and I am like super super sensitive to criticism, but I didn't even take it that badly. I was like really stoked that he, that I like didn't even know like that they were like professional jewelry schools. And luckily I happened to be living 30 minutes away from one of the best ones in the country. So, um, and it's called Revere Academy and it closed in 2017. Um, the owner retired. And so the school just kind of closed Um, but yeah, my teacher was Alan Revere. He's like really well known, um, in, in the jewelry industry. And, um, yeah, so I did like a whole professional goldsmithing course there. And afterwards, so you're learning how to do, uh, different alloys and stuff, mix your, your golds and your silvers and your, um, well, actually what I studied is called hand fabrication. So it's kind of like the traditional European, um, goldsmithing, so it's, um, I mean, yeah, some people do make their own alloys. Um, I don't, um, cause since what I do mostly is work with like, um, different milled stock and metals, like flat sheet, wire tubing, obviously, um, there's all just different kinds of milled metals that you use to build pieces with. I like to talk about it. Um, when I'm trying to relate it to people, it's almost like woodworking, um, like how you're working with different like boards and this and that, um, and instead of glue, we use hot molten metal. Right. <laughs> so, well, wonderful. Yeah. So um, what brought you to New Mexico? Um, I actually moved here sort of accidentally, I guess. Um, after I left California, I moved to um, Colorado, um, where I had my daughter, um, Josie. She's 10 now. And um, at the time, um, her and her dad and I, um, we're no longer together, but he's still a good friend. Um, he's a stone cutter. So we're both self-employed and we're living in Boulder, Colorado and, um, we're both skiers and he had a bunch of friends down in Taos and we kept going there. And I was like, I think I like this place way better. Can we please move there? It was my homeland. I yeah. It. Yeah. So, um, so we moved to Taos and I mean, I basically moved there cause I wanted to be near skiing and I liked it. I thought it was cool. One of the best ski areas <laughs> in the United States. For sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's what brought me to New Mexico. And then Santa Fe, um, when he and I split up, I just thought I needed to move because Taos is a super small town. It is small. <laughs> and so it was kind of like accidentally. I was just like, what's like the next place where I could move? So, so how old were you when you moved to Taos? Um, I was 34. Okay, so you had about 14 more years of yeah. experience under your belt and. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah. And it was great. I had a sweet workshop there. We had like a huge garage and like, um, all built out like countertops and stuff to work on. And oh, nice. it was sweet. It was a sweet workshop. So who, who are some of your influences in jewelry? Ah, where do you get inspiration? That's a good question. I try to get inspiration from outside of jewelry, but of course I do love to look at jewelry Um, And as I was telling Leia the other day when she came to do the video, I think the reason I started to do jewelry was because I wanted to make something that I would like because I didn't like a lot of what was traditionally on the market. 
That being said, um, Atelier Zobel is a German company. Um, Michael Zobel is the founder, but now it's run by Peter Schmidt, is an incredible company. I mean, they are a great um, – I kind of aspire to be like this workshop because it's like an atelier and I think they have like seven or eight goldsmiths and they all just kind of make stuff in like this one style and everything they produce is like incredible and unique. Oh. Yeah. I don't even think they do the same piece twice. Right. So, um, in the development of your style, where does that come from? Just other than uh, stuff that you like to create, but what what's the influence on that? Well, I mean, when you look at jewelry and, um, for me, you know, it's like, okay, I did the art fair thing, but then I quickly, after going to jewelry school, learned while I was there that the real market for jewelry was the wholesale market. So selling to other stores and galleries and in order to stand out in a gallery with however many other jewelers are there, whether it's five or whether it's 20 or 50, you have to have a distinctive style. Um, so for that, I like to look at one of, you know, the country's most famous jewelers, uh, David Yerman, right? Everybody knows David Yerman. Well, his style is very distinctive. And I think that when you look at jewelry and I mean, it's, it's the same with a lot of art. Yeah. You're just trying to find your voice. Yeah. You have to, you have to, there needs to be something that connects that when you look at this piece, you say, oh, that's by Belle. You know, I see that's her style because, you know, anybody can make a pendant with a stone in it. And there's lots of beautiful, simple things. And there's lots of there's a place there's there's lots of places for lots of things in jewelry. But when it comes to designer jewelry, you have to have a voice. And um, I'd say what happened for me is that I actually in about 2000, I think it was 2005 or so, I took a trip. Um, to New York with my mom, who's also an artist. She's a photographer. Um, and she does this sort of process oriented photography with books where she like sculpts them and then takes a picture. And the final product is, is the photo, not the actual sculpture. Um, so, you know, she and I connect on that level and she took me to New York because she wanted me to see the Whitney biennial. And we went and, um, I actually went also this past year too, and I hadn't been, I'd only been twice that first time and then the last time. It was very different um, because there was so much video and just mediums have changed a lot. But the one I saw um, that was, I think about 2005 or 2004, um, there was a lot of really great artwork that I connected with because there was a lot of like repetitive shapes Mm -hmm. (laughs) and like repetitive kind of really like very, specific, like this took way too long kind of stuff, um, obsessive, like Mm -hmm. obsessive stuff. And I was like, I like this obsessive stuff. And, um, in college, actually I had photographed a place I'd love to go. I went there probably three or four times was a pipe factory, like as in like pipes that go underground Mm. and they let, cause they let me, I, I went there and they were like, sure, walk around, do whatever you want. And they let me walk around the whole like place and take pictures of stuff. And I loved that, the like repetitiveness that was in like the pipes and like so this that gritty you can see in your, in your stuff. Yeah. This like real gritty, like industrial look, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that 
then I had this tubing leftover that we made like from scratch. I don't make my tubing from scratch anymore because it's like far too time consuming. <laughs> too much like it, I, these pieces would be like millions of dollars if I made all that tubing myself. It's made in a factory, um, <laughs> which easier. is great. Yeah. It's very consistent. It doesn't like fall apart. Um, so, you know, I had this tubing left over and I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm going to play around with this. And then I just started playing around with it. And I worked at um, a goldsmithing company called Studio 311 after I finished my schooling. And um, this one guy there, I, I was making this ring and I, I took it there to polish it up on their thing because they had a better polisher than I had. And I was like, um, hey, look at this thing I made, you know, and, and I was polishing it up and he was like, that's what you're going to do. He was like, that's your style. Like do that. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept going with it, you know, basically. You found your voice. It just came to me. Yeah. You found your voice. Yeah. I'd say more than anything else, it came to me. I didn't come to it, Mm -hmm. you know? And Mm -hmm. I do think people put a lot of focus on like, what's my thing going to be? I got to find it. But like, I think it finds you actually. Yeah. Well, that's a very, um, it's a journey that parallels in all art forms, I think. <laughs> yeah. You, you do have to find your, your own way, your voice, whether it finds you or you find it. Um, right. But you have to find something that's creatively distinctive to stand out, like what we've been talking about. Um, the first time I met Belle was at Chicago Sofa about six years ago. And uh, as she's talked about her stuff, it, it does stand out. And I, I uh, loved it right off the bat because it is unique. And I, I like the the development of your style, um, the energy that comes from your, your past journeys. Uh, the tubing is cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that, but, uh, we love it. Tell us about your use of stones. Oh, well, I love stones. Um, for sure. Um, there's been a lot of, my great grandfather actually had like a, he has a, well, he's dead now, obviously, but a mineral collection in East Texas, um, that he, I don't know if he found the stuff or if he was just like a amateur like geologist or what, but it just seems to like run in my blood, like this love for stones. Um, and he also made jewelry like as a hobby oh, really? too, and did <laughs> photography as a hobby. Oh. It's so weird. And I never got to meet him, which is like oh. super sad, but I'm, I'm named after his wife, my oh. grandmother. So I guess I got that out of it. Grandma Bill. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I <laughs> inherited all of his tools too, which oh, are awesome. Gosh. So actually a lot of the tools I use, hammers and stuff mostly um are his so they're like way old and like just really quality like you know craftsmanship well, next next time we do a video in the studio we need to look at some of those yeah and uh, kind of the processes um but yeah i'm getting off topic no no that's, <laughs> that's it there's nothing there's no such thing as off topic here um I think for, for those of you who'd like to see a studio shot, um, Leah produced a video on her blog on, on Bellbrook, her studio. And it's a pretty nice studio uh, compared to where I saw you on Canyon Road before. Now it's a different Yeah, place. no, we, we needed to upgrade our studio and downgrade um, the free museum aspect. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, put you, it that way. You have that problem needed, too. Huh? <laughs> yeah, more time to create. Um, for sure. Well, I was telling Bill, I, you know, I love doing art myself, but, uh, it takes time. It does. <laughs> you, have yeah. to, you have to dedicate yourself to it um, right. all the time. It's an act of love. Um, I love your integration of stones. Uh, is there particular stones that you like the most to use? Um, I, yeah. I got some examples love, here. Yeah. That's an agate, um, a Brazilian agate and I love agates wherever they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah and, they're nice 
That's a that's a chrysoprase. And it's um, cut. Yeah, right? that's got a rose cut on top. And and chrysoprase and agates both are a form of quartz. Um, and they don't grow in like the normal, like crystally shape. They're more like rocks that you find on the ground. It's called crypto crystalline quartz. So this is another piece that I, I, I think, um, you might like a lot cause you have a ring and you also have a little tattoo on your arm as well. Yeah. Uh, tell us about this piece. What's so special about that? Um, I mean, I love snakes and, and it's, it's taken me a while to go from doing abstract designs to doing more, um, I don't know, what do, you, what do you call it? I'm losing the Realist. Mind. Yeah, more like realistic designs. Um, but yeah, I love snakes and I've come to love more and more like symbological things like talismans. And the snake is like a symbol of transformation, um, like death and rebirth. And I love that because I feel like we're always dying and being reborn. Um, so to wear that is really sort of powerful. For anyone, you know. I think in the native communities as well. Uh-huh. A strong association. Yeah, for similar. sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, my uh, my friend Nakona, who's a Comanche painter, he bought one for his wife because he says the Comanche are snake people. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot of uh, great reference material here in the Southwest, yeah. isn't there? <laughs> yeah, right. And yes, it's also very Southwestern too, for sure. But yeah, that one has, um, the headstone is a Spessartite garnet. Um, which is an orange garnet. They're super beautiful. You know, most yeah, people... Yeah, it's orangey, yeah, fiery, right? Yeah, most people think of garnets, they think red. Um, but there's some beautiful garnets um, in oranges and greens that I really love, some different varieties of garnet. Um, and it's a nice stone. It's hard. It's easy to work with and um, beautiful, obviously. And then in the snake itself, those are diamonds, actually. They're natural Within. color diamonds. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they're a mix of different yellows, oranges, and reds. We'll post this so you can see it better. But uh huh, yeah. So this is this is definitely a very special piece um, because of what's in it, especially that stone in the head is very beautiful specimen. Yeah. Well, Bell, you're you're very talented. We we love your journey. Uh, it, it's pretty cool um, how you've you had instant success in, in a sense from the hippie days to all the way to present. <laughs> yeah, it just depends how you define success, right? Um, that changes over time. <laughs> um, yeah, it does. It, it depends yeah. how you define it. Um, but we're we're happy you're with us. Excellent. And, I'm happy uh, to be here. Welcome to Blue Rain Gallery. Um, like to thank Bell for coming in today. Um, like to encourage our audience to subscribe to our podcast by going to blueraingallery.com. Also. We'd like to encourage you to bring art into your everyday life by going to blu-rayandprintshop.com. Thanks again, Bill. Thank you. (laughs) 